Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time, work, Friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7? Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right. Hello and good day, people. This is this week's episode of the Table of a Hoop. As always, I'm your co-host, Coach Maples, a.k.a. Jay Maples, with my brother Kings. What's going on with you, man? Uh, usual. Feeling good, living good, you know. It is what it is. You know, hopefully we got some light at the end of this tunnel for this pandemic, so that's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Some normalcy. This is the all-star, all-star game version of the show. Um, Kings, just reactions, all-star game. What, what did you like? What did you not like? Talk to me. Uh, yeah, man, I mean – the second quarter, basically, you know, Bron team flexed the talent advantage. I mean, CP3, Steph, and Dame caught alley-oops. And then Dame and Curry had back-to-back half-court threes. I don't even know if we've ever seen anything like that. I think, like my boy said, I mean, like, when have you ever seen point guards catch alley-oop dunks and hit half-court threes in the same quarter? Like, the, the, the... the talent of the league is crazy. Like, like when he put that, when he said it like that, I'm like, man, just the ability to be able to do that, let alone in the same quarter of a in a real NBA game, like, that's just wild to think about. Like, this league is very talented, so that's yeah, just impressive. Yeah, for me, it started it started out kind of raggedy, and you know, for me, I probably attribute that to no fans in the building. They had to make their own energy to get through yeah. it. You know, adding the fact that barely any of them wanted to be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they had to create their own energy. But I think by the second quarter, when they got like kind of into the game, the guys who were going to get into it anyway, at least they uh, started going hard. And that was just some exhibition, man. That shooting that Steph and Dame put on, and then on top of that, you got Giannis not missing a shot the whole game. Yeah, it was just uh, it was just special. I think it was too much of a of a talent deficit, as, as you alluded to, for uh, for Team Durant to make it competitive. But it was I think they, the guys. They made the best of it, of what yep. they could. So, you know, I give them kudos for that. Uh, if you ask me, I'm gonna, like, I love basketball, but are you going to be – I still don't think they should have had the game and kind of the yeah, stuff that, that that happened before the Embiid and, and Simmons situation. Hopefully they don't have to sit and miss real games off that – off the, you know, mishap that, that occurred. Um, but, yeah, I think they made the best of it that they could, man, honestly. And then, you know, I think Giannis rightfully got the MVP. 
I saw at the end, I was like, man, Dame got somewhere to go. The way he's shooting the ball, he's like, let's, let's hit this 170 and get out of here. <laughs> yeah, man, he was over that. <laughs> so one thing I do want to talk about, I think kind of the, the, the dunk contest, I think that that's hard to do without fans. It's just yeah, no man. Plus you got guys that aren't all-stars there. They just kind of there waiting for the – for the uh, for the event, there's no energy in the building. So, what did you think of the dunk contest? You know, it's crazy because you know, I felt like it wouldn't have been as that bad um, if they had judged Cassius appropriately. Man, they did him uh, cold. <laughs> that first, if they had judged that, like somebody tweeted, like if they had judged the first dunk correctly, he probably does. A consistently, you know, follow up, good follow up dunk. Because like somebody was saying, he felt like he had to do something impossible because they were hating on, you know, what he his original game plan. Well, he you got an eight. Saying? He got an eight for that first dunk for somebody. I was like, Dominique, yeah. you tripping? It was Dominique Wilkins like, Dom, you tripping? <laughs> and that that boy Mar said, put Dominique, <laughs> put dunk tape on compared to the Cassidy. I was weak, man. But, but yeah, I mean, like I feel like if they would have you know, judged uh, Cassius's dunk appropriately the first dunk. I feel like he would have, you know, came back with a more solid in in line dunk. I think his he tried so hard to do something never before seen because he knew the judges were just weren't going to show him the love. Right. And, and you know, and then that put pressure on him. And then like, you know, Toby and then you know, uh, Simon's like Simon's just basically knew he could just show off his bounce and he'd win because they were just giving him nines and tens. I was just jumping high. He just jumped high. He, he, he just jumped <laughs> high. He might have acrobatics. He just jumped high. Just, so, you know what I mean? So it was like the judges ruined it, but I will give it to the players. I think, you know, I think it could have went a lot worse. That's yeah. kind of what I got from it. It could have been a lot worse. Like I said, like it just taking in the circumstances of what it was under within having that type of event with no fans or yeah. very little fans, that's tough because – in that environment, you feed off the crowd, so oh, that's definitely. why I, I, I post a little bell for the for the players involved. So that, that's where I am with that. Um, you still a fan of the Elam ending? You like out of games in? Like it was it wasn't competitive tonight, but are you still a fan of the Elam ending? The what? The Elam ending, like the twenty four points. After oh, the, the twenty four points instead of a the target I, score. Yeah, the target score. I I didn't catch the ending of the game, but I think just the way it's set up, I think it makes the ending of the games more competitive. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I agree. Think, so you, so you, I, that's your stay. Yeah, that's, I think that's your stay for sure. Um, I mean, you, it made Dan go, you know, go nuts. Nuclear right. try, to, try to go, try to shut the, you know, try to shut the water off real quick. But that's my thing. Like, it's gonna, it promotes great performances. You know what I mean? Like, you get a great performance based off trying to reach those objectives. So I think that should stay because you, you're just gonna get good hoop. You know. Yeah, like, I thought last year, last year was special when they got down to nitty yeah. gritty. So like, I, I appreciated that. So it wasn't competitive tonight, but I agree it should stay. I think it has nice wrinkles to the All Star game. It's just more about just evolving how the game is played and keeping these guys into it. I like the charity aspect of it too. Like you know, so that, that's also a, a good part to it. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. 
Listen to the Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. We just wanted to wrap, put a little bow on All Star Weekend before we get going, and you know, let's also talk about the first half of the season. Um, first off, who is your uh, before we get into what we think the awards are at the, at the halfway point? You know, these teams played about thirty six of the seventy two games. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, who, who to you, who is your most surprising team uh, thus far this season? The most, whether it be uh, you know, good, but not as good, not a good, bad, whatever. Shocks you? Which team you got? The Knicks. I mean, for the Knicks to be this good still, halfway into the season, that's super. That's super impressive. I mean, I I gotta give it up to, to Thibs for for coaching. That's a super young team that he has over there, and you know, and they're hooping the right way defensively, and right. they got you know they got nice young talent. He has Randall playing defense. He has you know. Uh, RJ playing defense, so he's installing he's installing the right mentality for those youngins. So I have to give it up to the Knicks, man. Uh, you know, New York hoops that's not that's not easy no more, fellas. <laughs> you come to you come to the you come to the you know the, the New York State area, man. You know that's not a night on the town no more, man. You better be ready to play. <laughs> yeah, they play that old like the '90s that rough house that rough house ball that they was playing when man. they had uh, Oakley and Ewing on that front line. Anthony Mason, you you got to come out Be- there ready to play. That- between the Knicks and the Nets, boy, you better be ready to play. Right, right. Anymore. Uh, actually, we have a – mine is Phoenix because I knew they'd be yeah. good. I didn't think they'd be a championship contender. Yeah. That's what they legitimately are. So that, that's my surprising team. I got to give it up there. You know, as good as Utah has been, the Phoenix is two and a half games out, and I got two head-to-heads left with them. So you can't – you know, I can't I – can't, I can't knock that down. Uh, Chris Paul, Monty Williams, Devin Booker, you know, playing winning style of basketball. James Jones, the GM, making necessary additions and subtractions of that team to put them in position to contend. I love it. You got a, a young player coming into his own, putting him in the best position to win, not wasting time, doing what he had to do to get CP3. You got to give it up to the Phoenix Suns, man. I can't. Uh, can, we, can, can we shout out that, uh, what you said, James Jones, Monty Williams, as a black head coach, black uh, hey, right there. Hey, black can black we excellence. Got to, got to. Shout that out because, you know, because a, a lot of people swear, like, you can't get it done that way. But look at Phoenix, man. Y'all, I know none. People said that they would. You have people saying they might miss the playoffs. Like, that's what people were saying before the year. Right. You know what? Let's, let's freestyle a little bit because. I want to get your, especially you, knowing somebody who, who does this a lot. So, you know, those teams, they take those minority, you know, diversity uh, mm-hmm. grades from independent, from the independent, you know, firm, how their diversity is. The NBAs came back and it just it did not look good as far as the ratio from players of color to coaches right. of color up to executives, up to own, obviously, one owner, 1% ownership, Michael Jordan. Uh, where are you? Because it's, it's getting disturbing. Because you know, and if the NBA doesn't have a Rooney Rule, so I don't know if that's the answer. Because the Rooney Rule ends up to just a lot of fake interviews, right? So where are you with the diversity beyond the player level in the NBA? Because that that report was not. It was weird to me because it was like thirty percent executives, and they were getting an A, and I was like, why is that an A grade for having thirty percent executives? in a 75%, you know, black league. So 
what, what do you, what do you have? What are your thoughts about? It? I know that we didn't discuss this or have you chance to research it, but what what are your thoughts about that? Just off the top uh, of I mean, I mean, off the top of my head, like I, this this is beyond sports. <laughs> this is right, this topic right. is beyond sports. Uh, you know, this is the historical uh, relationships of Africans in the uh, American context uh, that we're the labor force. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't, you know, we don't own anything essentially in the society in terms of you know, how our relations are, you know what I mean, to the structures. Like, you know, the NBA is still white-owned, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so they're going to hire people who, you know, are part of their in-group. You still have systemic racism. You know, you still have a white supremacy issue from top to bottom in every single, you know, system in America. So that's what you're going to see in every single system in America, you know. Like, you know, it's not a – it's not a well, population thing because it clearly doesn't stop most of the players from being black. Right. You know exactly. I mean? exactly. If exactly. this was, if this was hot, like, you know, who, comp- who complains about the lack of black people in hockey? Right. You know what I mean? Like nobody's <laughs> complaining about that because you understand that. So mainly white people play this sport. So obviously you're going to have that type of representation from throughout the, you know, the structures. But when you have NFL, when you have the NBA, when the majority of the star players, the majority of the the, the labor force is black, 70-plus percent, how the hell do you now say that these people who are the most capable of producing in this league aren't capable of running the leagues? Right. Like, right. It's ridiculous. The, the equation I have in my mind, so you tell me these guys who were a part of NBA locker rooms for, you know, 8, 10, 12 years understand – what it takes to win, right? Having been a part mm-hmm. of it, that they can't apply that from a team building or a coaching standpoint. And that's where I guess get, it gets lost on me. And a lot of it is being honest. Charles Barkley made a joke about this three years ago. I was watching the Inside the NBA uh, documentary and they played it again. He made a joke about all these owners hiring their sons in these basketball positions who don't know what the hell they're doing. And that, and I looked at some research, that actually happens a lot. A lot of this okay, is like, there's a lot of nepotism. Yes, yeah, a lot of nepotism going on as far as hiring. And uh, shout out Light Years Twitter. Uh, that is what seems to be what's going on in Golden State because you got the Lakeham and the whole. It's a family run business, and that happens a lot in the NBA. So from the nepotism standpoint, how did how do we rectify that? I don't know how you do that without changing the ownership, bro. <laughs> to be right, quite honest right. with you, you know what I mean? Because like, like people, you know, Laker fans are gonna be like, "Oh, well, Vogel is still great in this." And look, I, no disrespect to Vogel, but the, how that Tyloo handled that Tyloo situation was handled was piss poor. Period. Point blank. I don't care what nobody says. You know what I'm saying? To uh, to 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 disrespect uh, championship level coach because Vogel hadn't won championship. You know, before this past year, but Ty Lue was a proven championship coach. He had made adjustments in the deep waters. You know, you know, they say that oh, he did it with LeBron, but you, but look at the look at the respect that look at the way Vogel's talked about in comparison to how Ty Lue was talked about for winning with LeBron. And Ty Lue had to do it against all timers. Right. You know, against Steve Kerr and Light Years. You know what I'm saying? So just the way people talk about black coaches, it just irks me. And then Ty Lue's like the biggest example because if you're an actual basketball fan, like you're actually not basketball, fan, you actually know the game. You know Ty Lue's one of the great basketball minds we have in the game today, especially Absolutely. for offense, especially for adjustments. 
You know what I'm saying? We, You know he's one of the best offensive minds we have in the game today. So the way people talk about him in comparison to the other coaches Brian had, you know what I'm saying, that weren't black. Because look, at if you think about the same way, look how they talk about Mike Brown. Yeah, yeah, same way. People, and people, black, black was terrible, and people still try to act like he's good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's really ridiculous the way black and, and non-black coaches are talking. I talked about, I mean, more specifically, you know, the white counterparts. Like, it's just honestly ridiculous. Yeah, my thing is those those buzzwords, man, you know, players, coach, culture guy. It's never anything about their actual knowledge of the game. Yeah. I think the biggest, and, you know, it's not a shot at nurse, but, you know, you got to give Nurse credit for what he did. But you got to understand upgrading from DeRozan to Kawhi Leonard in his prime before, like, that that's a big upgrade of what you had to deal with. Uh, plus, LeBron left the conference, right, the whole bunch yeah. going on. Even if LeBron was there, you know, Kawhi's not the type to be intimidated by him, like, mentally, like uh, DeRozan was. So there was a lot of factors going this way. So Casey caught the bad end of that, right? And – I guess it's just the same buzzwords, man, when you hear when you talk about black coaches, just people don't give them the same deep dive they give other guys. And like look how Maples, look how they talk about Ty Lue. He's right. an actual ex right. and O's coach. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> my, my my thing for Ty Lue is he has nobody that can put pressure on the rim and they have a top five offense. Right. Right. <laughs> how are you doing that if you don't know right. how to get guys the looks they need to get? Right, that's it's what I'm saying. Like he's telling the dudes not to drive to the rim; they don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, just hopefully it gets better. Um, we talked about this a little bit uh, a couple of shows ago. Your, your boys, uh, Minnesota. To be fair, Finch was a highly regarded hire. Just more about the right. process, you know. Guys not right. getting a just shot. The guys that came to mind, like who did their time. Uh, Ewing did so many years as an assistant coach. He ended up having to go to Georgetown. Stackhouse was the G League coach of the year uh, mm-hmm. for a year. Still couldn't get a gig at Villanova now. So hopefully you start to see the tide of this changing, man, because it, it doesn't look good. It's like it's going the opposite way than what it was a few years ago. And, and you know, I'll, I'll say something, and we didn't talk about this the last time we had Joseph on, but the analytics is not going to help that situation. Uh, absolutely. It, absolutely. It's going to make, it's gonna make it worse. It will make it worse. And that's that's the that's been the you know the f in the room that a lot of these pro analytics folks don't want to address and they want to shy away from, but it's absolutely gonna make that disparity worse. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Yeah, I just man, it's just a, it's it's a lot going on. Hopefully, you know, people will start embracing the math aspect. It becomes more accessible because even like only reason I have access to a synergy account is the school pays for it. And it just happens to be they have the NBA button on there. But we, <laughs> but it costs like $2,000 to have it for a season. Nobody, no casual fan is going to pay that just to have access to, you know what I'm saying, the, uh, the, the advanced stats for your favorite NBA team. So, you know, hopefully stuff becomes more accessible. And then once it becomes accessible, people can embrace it more and it becomes more common knowledge and the playing field kind of levels out. But, Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that that was a great point you found about the racial aspect and how the LA is kind of feeding into the the lack of diversity that that we've seen. It was funny because to, um, to we harp on the NBA, but among all the professional sports, they actually have the the highest grade as far as diversity hiring, and it still ain't nothing. So 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, that don't that don't surprise me. The bar is the floor, the right? That the bar, yeah, the bar is on the floor. The NBA's been getting away with the fact that everybody else is horrible, like like just completely horrible. So that's kind of what the NBA feeds off of. You know, what I mean, they know everybody else is trash, so they don't have to be that much better than everyone else to, to right, get away. Right, right, right. So, Ooh, I, mean, I didn't mean to take you off. So I know I like to give you the stuff before and so you can think about it, but I didn't mean to take you off and have you kind of freestyle. I just wanted to touch a hit my mind, right, just as you said about Monty and uh, James Jones. So good looking out there. Uh, getting back on track. Now, your most who's your most disappointing team thus far in the season? The most disappointing team for, for me, um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but the Wolves, man, just – and like we can't even field an NBA team. Like it's just, <laughs> ah, man. Like, come on, man. Like, can we put an NBA product on the floor? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like uh, I hope you know. Look, I, I, the thing with the the, the coach hire. I, like when everyone talked about how it was done, I absolutely agree. How it was done was not. I didn't support how it was done at all. I do think the guy that they hired it seems like he's a good. Uh, you know, basketball guy. Right, that's so, the double-edged sword there. I think he's a good basketball guy. I, I don't like how the process was done, but, uh, you know, the fact that Saunders even had that job to begin with, I mean, it's just, just speaks to what you were saying about the, you know, the NBA, you know, how it's run. Like, you know. Family, Brian Saunders, family, fa- family, like nepotism. It's just ridiculous what, yeah. they, what they're doing in, in this league. Uh, you know, and who they're shutting out to do this. So, right. um, And yet that brings up your point. Another point that you brought up, kind of off track but related, you were telling guys that Bron laid the blueprint for controlling your labor. Stop yeah. giving these teams four and five years and understand that you can give them power with the length of your contract and let them know what type of time you want and, you know, yeah. apply pressure to get something right done. So that's also – You have to. Yeah. You have <laughs> to. I mean, you it's just so funny to see all this stuff that Lightyear was trashing for years, and now all of a sudden they're like, "Damn, that was the right way to do it." Like, you know, like, like, like you get so sucked up into what you do that you don't become adaptive. Katie right, was adaptive. Right. Katie saw the writing on the wall from the organization standpoint. I mean, like you say, he's an outsider. So he wasn't brought up in the whole love affair of the culture and whatnot. So when he came in, he saw the the stuff that could have hindered him going forward. He was like, man, I'm out of here. Right. You know what I mean? Because, like, you guys aren't flexible. You're putting Quinn Cooks, the McKinney's. Like, you're basically telling all of us that, hey, this is cool. Keep Since you guys are so good, we can do this style that we like and keep it family, whatever. Katie wasn't about that. Katie was like, we need real hoopers. Just so a Katie couple of a couple mm-hmm. names they had in their summer league program. In their summer league program. Talk, bring that up. Chris Boucher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kendrick Nunn. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> and so you you just add those two names to those Warriors instead of McKinney and Quinn Cook, right? And and wh- where are you now, right? So it's just like, you know, they, 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 haven't been, they haven't been good around the margin since Jerry West left, to be honest. All their first-round picks are flamed out. I think they're using Jordan Poole wrong, so I'll give them that. I think he can play it, just try to play him off-ball when he's an on-ball, pick-and-roll, get-downhill guy. So I think passing up KJ. Right, passing up KJ. Right, right, exactly. KPJ, so. Right, so they got to be better around the margins. Um, 
Now, your most disappointing team was your Wolves. Mine, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks. Because That's another good one. I feel like, you know, they did add a bunch of talent. They're asking stuff going on with injuries and guys not being available. But I just I feel that team should have been comfortably in a six, seven, eight range or battling for it. They're not too far behind, but the reasons the recent stretch of play, they've really fallen off a cliff. And in a close second, it was going my team actually was gonna be the Wizards I was gonna pick for this, but they started to show a pulse the last couple of weeks. So it looked yeah. like they were starting to care. So they started to turn around a little bit, but the Hawks and then I expected more from the Wizards having uh, Westbrook and Bill. I thought they'd at least be a, a, at least a seven seed in the play, and they're trying to turn around. So we'll see what happens, but that's that's kind of where I am right now. So moving on, the, the moment you've been waiting for, your first half awards. It's official right now, 36 games in. Let's go. Halfway pull. Starting now, now, we go from the small ones to the big ones. Who is your rookie of the year? Uh, we might. We all know who that is. Right. Lamelo Ball, BBB. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody else is close at this point. Halliburton has been good, but it's just yep. since they started Lamelo, it's it's not only the twenty six, the twenty, you know, six rebound sixes. It's the efficiency. Yep. It's, you know, high forties field goal, low forties from three on high volume. You know, he's making every night. He's making a wild. How did he do that play? It's just his mm-hmm. box office TV, his, his box office, and they are firmly in a playoff, thinking of the playoff run. So he's kind of checking all the boxes here. 16, 6, and 6 on 45%, man. Sheesh. Right. And then even since he started 20 a game as a starter, so, like, remember he didn't start the first few weeks. So yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. back. So, yeah, I don't think it's, it's, it's not much there. Um, most improved, I think this also might be kind of a foregone conclusion. Most improved? So who do I guys most improved? Uh, man, I, I went with Jeremy. I went with Jeremy Grant off default. This is just, it, it's just Jeremy, no. Grant, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Grant. Definitely, that's. I mean, that's who it seems to be. But I feel like there's. I feel like there's other guys that that's in that discussion. You know what? You know who was close? It was Christian Wood. Then he got hurt. Had to sit out for a yeah, long C. time. Yeah, C. C. Wood was definitely up there. Right yeah, there. but Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's the leader. How did I forget about Jeremy Grant? You know, bet on himself. He was a borderline All Star player. You know, coming into this year, so you know that it's Jeremy Grant. Right. But I feel like I feel like a bunch of guys. You know, I, I like the 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 gems Zion took, but I guess that you know he was already good. You know what I mean? Like some guys who just got better from year ones to year two or two, and then you I don't know if it's a year one, year two guy. You obviously can't give him the award. So that's crazy because a lot of that you brought that up. A lot of people say there should be a sophomore of the year award, like your second year. Who makes the best second year jump? And the more I hear about this, the most improved argument every year, I think that should be a like a legit award. Like who yeah, I, made the best one year jump? Like I wouldn't mind a sophomore of the year award. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think the league should look into that because uh, you know, I, don't, I think I don't think guys should be disqualified from you know being like you know a, a, you know like a inconsistent rookie to now man they're a real NBA contributor. Like I think that should be respected. Yeah, so the NBA grind is tough going to the playing in the pros, man. This is not easy. So, who you got for six man of the year? Oh yeah, I got Jordan Clarkson. For yeah, exactly. so I think yeah, I think that's uh, with the team success and just how he's playing. It's it's, it's really not much else to say. It's funny yep. because uh, I thought Trez would be in it. But I think AD getting hurt kind of knocked everybody their everybody's roll out of whack. But yeah, you know, Trez not having a bad year though. When you've factored everything, he's not having a bad year. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be Clarkson given what he's doing night in and night out. Like I said, man, just the, the Lakers scouting department just hit it out the park. You look around the league, the guys that you know aren't there anymore and are productive everywhere. Mm-hmm. So Randall's an all star. So yeah, right. Randall, Ingram, Alonzo, Clarkson. Right. So <laughs> man. And then even like the solid pieces like Zubak and Bryant, you know. Bryant, so, you know, Wagner. Exactly. He's a rotation guy, so all right. To the nitty gritty. Coach of the year. Mm, coach of the year. Gotta go with probably Monty at this point, man. Monty, I'm okay, I Monty. Gotta give it to Monty. It's between Monty and Snyder, but you know, you got you got to give it to Monty based on what the Suns were last year. But you could you can go Snyder. I think it's probably the media will probably go Snyder. But me personally, I think I gotta go with Coach Monty. Yeah, I, that I, Monty and Snyder are my top two. I probably I bling bling Quinn because of the record. And my dark yeah. horse is obviously Tibbs because where the Knicks Tibbs were and where they are, like you know, Tibbs is like my distant third. But yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't be upset if Quinn and Monty are guys picked at this point in time. And I'll probably lean Quinn just because of the record. Also, maybe Monty because there's maybe there's a lot of turnover. You talk didn't have much turnover. I think that was the one advantage that we all overlooked in the short off season. There was no there was no turnover for them to have to adjust to new teammates. It was all. Shout out to my boy Reed. He, he's the one who was telling me all preseason. He was like, "Man, you talking gonna be a top three seed? They don't have no, they have everyone coming back." Yeah, that was the, yeah. <laughs> that was that was the one. Yeah, I feel like I said that. I just didn't. I didn't take it as serious, but it looks like to be a big thing. I should have because there's virtually no practice time, so it's yeah. just all playing. And those guys have a good, good comfortability with each other. All right, here we go. This is what the people want to hear, King. Who is your defensive player of the year right now? I know they're not going to like it. You got to give it to Rudy. Oh, he surprised me. He surprised me. You got to give it to Rudy, man. You got to give it to Rudy. And here's here's what I'll say. My runner-up right now, no, it's not Ben Simmons. LeBron James is my number two, man. Number two. The Lakers are the number one defense in the NBA. And Anthony Davis has missed 30% of the games. Put two and two together, fellas. We know who is the reason for this for this, for this this phenomenon right now. Right. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you. Um, it's, I wanted to go Ben, but I just, you know, I, Rudy, I've been big on my career reward, like the, the, the tangible win-loss aspect. Yep. All the advanced numbers are there. The on-off numbers yep. are there. I, I got to go, Rudy. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to find himself disadvantaged in the playoffs, but I can only react to what I'm seeing in the regular season. Right. So that's why I can't even – I got to give it to him as long as you. Two, I, I went Ben, right? I went Ben. But to your point, I have LeBron's first team all defense. I have LeBron and Dennis. So I ended up doing a five best defenders list. Those two are both on there. It's the, mm-hmm. you, know, ben, you know, Rudy, Ben, LeBron, Dennis – Right, so those are my four. I think about my fifth, but those are definitely my top four defenders of the season this year. So I'm with you there. All right, and who has been your most valuable player the first half of the season, Mr. Kings? I think most people agree Joel Embiid for now is the number one MVP player. I think he's been uh, the most consistent when he's been on the floor. Uh, he's been the number one right now. But people need to be weary 
There is no large gap here. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely, he not. has missed. He has missed enough games to where it could put him in danger. And their record is not that dominant in a conference where it is not very good. So you have to keep these two things in mind. If he was playing every game, you know what I'm saying? If he was putting up numbers every game and, you know, their record was a little bit better because he was playing every game, even if the conference was weak, I would say, nah, he's playing every game. He's dominating. He's, he's there. He's taking time off. That's helping him rest, too, to play yeah, better. I know y'all don't consider that thing, but somebody like LeBron only missing one game out of 36 games and still having the Lakers where they're at with AD missing time, and all that, that matters, and that's going to matter to voters. So just saying that, there is no gap here, but Embiid has the total package right now. Yeah, so I, I, yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny because I did my whole little spiel on why I would not give the MVP to an Eastern Conference player. Then Joel goes to Utah and does yep. that to Rudy. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm during the when I give my MVP when it's close like that, like it is now, I look for signature games against certain yep. opponents, and that what what Embiid did to Rudy, like that is that. Like you go against the yeah. best team and go absolutely nuts on their best defender, who was probably the defensive player of the year right now. Like yeah. that stuff sticks in my mind. So I, I, I'll lean lean to MB for now as well. You admit the missed games is a thing for me. But, you know, man, 30 and 11 is just hard to – Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to deny the number one seat, although I think Brooklyn is coming. You know, Katie's yeah. going to be back after the break. But as of right now, I'm kind of with you. Uh, just a couple of names that are just out there for me. Uh, LeBron's right behind. Kawhi not too further behind that. And then Dame and Steph further down the list. But it's, it's definitely not a big gap by any – sense of the imagination and I even got to throw James Harden in there man without KD the numbers he's putting up so even him on the fringe even though they told me you know when KD and Steph were on the same team the MVP wasn't allowed anymore but you know I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be consistent right so, right but James, but, but James, James Harden in, in the mix and, and went down the list so I'm fine with that now, before we give our second half of the season uh outlook do have one uh Actually, we don't know if it's major or minor. People have different opinions on it. <laughs> uh, Blake Griffin, clear waivers, agreed to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, what's mm-hmm. your, you know, your, you know, first first response to that? Like, what is your initial response to that? Well, finding out that they did it on the men was a very um, wow. They got man, it for the right. Yes, <laughs> man. They didn't have to use their DP, so they right there with signing a big. So. You know that's ooh, that's that's big for them. Um, in terms of Blake Griffin, how it helps them, I think it helps their their they're definitely going leaning all in on outscoring teams. Uh, the way they look at, the way they look at it is like they're talking about small ball five. That is horrible for defense, but you know they're not thinking about defense. They're thinking about you know they have a deficiency in bench scoring. Uh, they have a deficiency in a you know bench uh, versatility. Right now, their bench relies heavily on James Harden. Um, so what they're thinking is that if they can get Blake Griffin, that can kind of ease on the load of James Harden and, you know, kind of make it easier for their stars because they're playing their stars a lot. Uh, you know, the Nets, if you look at the minutes that KD, Kyrie, and Harden plays, it's a lot. So in their mind, they're trying to ease that load off, lean in all the way on their strengths, 
and say, yeah, you know, we can't really feel all the weaknesses that we have right now with what's available, so let's lean in all the way with our strength. So right. I think he's going to help them get slightly better uh, in terms that they may, he makes them they, – they can be more versatile because they, now they have more options. Um, I think Blake would have helped teams like the Lakers who needed – and the Heat who needed more offense. Like the Heat don't have front court players, number one, and then the Lakers need just more offense. In general. Yeah, 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 so yeah. he could have played with those teams and played off defenders so where his defense could have been hidden – and he would have been had a plus impact because of his offense. But with the Nets, he's going to have a good offensive impact, but he's he's going to be another defensive liability for him. So I don't know how much they're going to lean on him in the playoffs when it comes down to it. Because at the end of the day, in the playoffs, they're going to go through Harden, Kyrie, and KD anyway. So it's just right. going to be, can you hit your open threes or can you defend? So Yeah, I just – I wonder if it's a Batum situation where you wonder if he's kind of sandbagging it because of where right. he was. And the worst thing when we happened to Blake – uh, a couple years ago, he was having an incredible season. He rushed back for a playoff run and then jacked up his body and has been downhill since then. Yep. And you know, he's had a couple bright games this season, but it's looked really bad for the most part. And I'm wondering if it's not a platoon situation where he's kind of, okay, I'm cooked here. I'm waiting before I can go to somewhere else with a lesser role and I'll be a, a more effective player there. So I'm interested to see how it works out. I definitely can see the fit in um, – in Brooklyn, I actually thought there'd be more minutes available with the Lakers, possibly pending some other yeah. moves. But you know, the relationship with D eight DJ, they're still close from what I was reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see how it works out. Like I said, I have no opinion. I, I, I you know, I want to see guys still have some left, but it's just hard to tell whether this is body feeling or he was sandbagging or it's a little bit of both. So we'll we'll see what happens at the end of the day. But it's going to be interesting. I wonder what other buyout moves or trades are going to happen going towards the deadline, which is the 25th of this month, March 25th, correct? Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. You know, Palink is never one to sit on his laurels, so mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right. So to close out, going into the second half of the season, I need one hot take and something you want to see. So it'll be one hot take, what you think is going to happen, that may be out of the box. And there's something that you want to see. If it could be from any team, any team, any player, what what do you want to what do you want to see? What do I want to see? Damn. I I want to see I want to see the Heat assert their dominance in the Eastern Conference. I think that they're kind of quietly playing their way back into the top, but I want to see the Heat make a run at being contenders again because they got the ingredients to really make life hell for the top teams in the East again. Um, they had injury. They had COVID. You know what I'm saying? But when you look at the roster, when you look at the schemes, they're still going to be a nightmare to deal with in the seven-game series. Yeah, so, yeah I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Bam, Jimmy, the shooting. All right. What, what's your hot take? I need a hot take. Something, something that's going to get the people talking. Man. Man, I, you know, the Nets look great. The Nets look dominant. Man, I, I like, I honestly, I've been going back and forth with who would challenge them. I think 
the Nets and Heat is a seven game series. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. He said it's going seven. Games, that's that's what we want to hear. I think that's a seven game series. I think when I think about it, when I sit back and I think about all the ingredients, I don't think any team outside of the Heat in the East has all the ingredients to actually make the Nets have to work. Because the Nets have wing defenders. I mean, the Heat have wing defenders. They have an interior player. They have shooters. And most importantly, they have a coach who's going to not only maximize those talents, but he is going to force the Nets to have to adjust. Yes, to adjust. He, yes. and he's going to adjust. And he's going to adjust. Yes, he's going to adjust, and he's going to play that zone, and he's going to force the Nets to have to beat exotic looks. So those things are considered. I was thinking about the Raptors, but they just don't have enough offensive talent. But the Heat have the offensive talent to where they can actually score and they will put pressure on the Nets to have to play good to play good to win. Yeah, they need they need Harold to play a little better, more efficiently in the second yep. half of the season for that to yep. happen. But I think with guys coming back, he'll slide more into a secondary role. Yep. And he'll be able to be more effective there. So yeah, I'm gonna, I, I can see that. I would love to see it, man. I, I think these playoffs are going to be incredible on both conferences, to be honest. For me, something I want to see, man, uh, I need my baby Pelicans to, to wake up, man. They're not feelings <laughs> right now. <laughs> they're not, they, they, they not guarding nobody. Man, it's just it's rough watching that team, man. You know, it's just – it's one of those teams where you like them and you watch them just because you're entitled to because you like a player on that team. Like, I wouldn't watch that team if I didn't have the, the utmost <laughs> joy watching Zion and, and Brandon Ingram play. There's nothing else about that team that brings me joy. I like the way they play. I like the way they defend. I just love watching Zion beast up, and I love watching B.I. play. That's it. Like, I would not watch that team for any other reason. Yeah, I mean, I a lot of my mutuals say they hate watching the Pelicans. Like it, they do. It, 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 it. it do. It do. It's just both ends is rough. And Zion makes doing it because he's an all-world athlete, so he can work around anything. But defensively, it's a reason. The only, the, I think, only the only the Kings are worse in the NBA. So yeah. that, that's where they are. They're they're 29th. The Kings are 30th. So that's both all-time worst. Like. In NBA history, mm-hmm. the Pelicans and the Kings have the worst defense in NBA history. Like that's how Man. bad it is. Man, we thought the Nets was gonna be there. They were looking <laughs> like it for a minute, but right. it turned out. And my one hot take, my one hot take, I am gonna say the Warriors, for all the hell I'm giving them, they are going to catch Denver in the sixth seed and avoid the play. That's my hot take. Okay, they're gonna avoid the planes. Okay, oh. they're gonna get that six seed and avoid the playing. That that is my hot take. Right now they're ninth, they're two and a half back at Denver. San Antonio's starting to fade a little bit. San Antonio was all the way up to fourth, they're down to seventh. Even though Dallas is wearing Dallas is wearing Dallas is starting to get healthy and they're starting to play better. But that is my hot take. That is my hot take. I told you, Steph was like he finally had fun playing basketball the first time all year tonight. Literally been a yeah. job here all season. <laughs> yeah, man. Shoot, she was look. He was looking to load manage right before the All Star game. Guys, okay, so that's what it is, man. We will be here back here next week breaking down the first bit of NBA action. Any roster moves? 
happen, any trades happen, we will be talking about it next week. Make sure you follow It's Kings, bruh, on Twitter. Follow myself, JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Hit the follow and subscribe button. We appreciate you guys. Actually, the episode last week with Joseph was the highest download episode of the season, so we appreciate y'all. Mm-hmm. Numbers are going up every week. Thank you so much. And we did read the we do read the reviews. We appreciate those. Those were tough. Whoever 45th degree is, we're gonna send you a t-shirt whenever we get a man. Hey, <laughs> hey that was love, man. Appreciate That's that. Love, one. All right, man. You guys tap in, follow us on the timeline. We will see you next week. We are out of here. Yes, sir. See you. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.